Hello, this is Uncool Music Conversations with Andy and Art. Remember, the only currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone when you're uncool. And uh, this week, we are going to be talking about time because we are currently recording in January on the first presentation of January. Never add the year because it throws people off. <laughs> but it is currently January, everybody. And if you can tell from the video, those are watching it, you may notice we're during a certain period where a plague is upon the land. But other than that, ties about time and music and how time and music are very associated with itself because as things developed, then we then music comes along and if that doesn't sound nerdy enough for you <laughs> we're gonna move away from that we're gonna talk about that first then we're gonna move away from that to pop music as most especially in the interim talk about the date and scene because that is the topic we talk about here right dr j <laughs> it is what we do andy and and in fact when when you think about okay you're doing a show in january what did you think about the year that happened Right. And, and granted, we're wearing certain implements right now because yeah. of what we've all been going through for the past few years. Yep. But 2021 was a great year for music. There's a lot of things to be excited about for 2022. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting, depending on your perspective, of some music things, technology in the future. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking about all of that today. But our theme today, as Andy correctly points out, is time and music. Yeah, time and music. So we're going to start with a super nerdy. As a side note, for those who can't visually see me, because there are DATV viewers, because for those who don't know, the podcast is done at DATV so most of the time. So there's a view, there's a viewing option if you're in the Dayton area. Pull on DATV, you may see us. Moving forward, though, right now I'm wearing a blood donation shirt. This happens to have that it's cool to download, to download, to donate, <laughs> to donate blood. <laughs> I did that myself a couple days ago. I only mentioned that specifically because, first off, it's Uncool Music Conversations, and the first thing on this shirt is it's cool. And so I was like, okay, let's have some fun with the, the particular format. But yeah. that aside, if those, if you have the ability to do so and you're willing to do so, very helpful, especially if it goes, doesn't go against your faith system to do so, I would argue it's a good thing to do. Uh, there is, as of this particular moment in this particular year, a critical need. So I just thought I'd throw that out mm -hmm. there. They aren't paying me anything to say that. It's just the thing. I like to focus and help each other. And that's kind of a, you know, kindness changes the world as it were. So all that being say, said, Art, as I will sometimes call you Dr. J, because that's your other persona. <laughs> either, either one works, right? I, I, don't, I don't care whether you call me Art or Dr. J. It, it is just sort of a, a, an appellation that students, you know, shorten when you're Dr. Gibson, you become yeah. Dr. J. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that I loved it. Uh -huh. And of course, as we talked about on a previous episode, that was part of the persona for the radio show. Oh, yeah. But... As you correctly point out, that, that regardless of the time period, there are lots of needs mm -hmm. that are important for people to recognize. And any time of the year would be the right time to donate blood mm. and to contribute to your community. Uh, and contributing to the community is the reason why we do this in the first place. For those who don't know, uh, we aren't being paid. Yet, maybe in the future. This is a what? Wayne's world. Andy, what? <laughs> this is Wayne's world uh, before Wayne's world got big on the movie Wayne's world. <laughs> We're doing this literally a local station, very similar to what they do in Wayne's world, the world. And for those in, who don't recognize that, it's a Saturday Night Live skit that was very funny with Michael Myers and Dana Carvey uh -huh. and had a movie that's very good. We need to make sure that we tell the people about the things right, right there, Art. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so we are the very beginning and we'll see what happens. But uh, in any case, we just do this because we want to help out our local community um art over here does his station which is on the link tree by the way um that just for the purpose of helping the town we don't 
really get much out of this other than the joy of helping community. And so, you know, it takes a little bit of money, it takes a little effort, but honestly, I think it's well worth it for the things we'll talk about today. So, with that being said, would you like to give the super nerdy first? Uh, there, I, right. <laughs> I, I think we, we have to go super nerdy first, right? So... so. There's something we should probably say at the outset here is that we spend a lot of time thinking about music. We spend a lot of time thinking about nerd culture, Andy and I do. And so time and music evokes so much in terms of our personal and professional interests. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you think about how music is made and how that has changed and the technology production um, in terms of how audio is captured and converted, how sound becomes music. Mm -hmm. And that has changed significantly throughout time. Mm -hmm. I believe you have not only some thoughts of your own on that, <laughs> but some contributions that others have made on this topic as well. Right, Andy? <laughs> That's correct, Art. All right, so first and foremost, we're trying to work on from last show, we're going, uh-huh, on everything. We're trying to just smile and shake our heads at each other. We were very big on feedback. By the way, thank you to those who acted as reviewers number one and reviewers number two. For those who've never been in the academic world, we tend to hate reviewer number two, but here's the thing. <laughs> I am always reviewer number two <laughs> because I'm always the person who's like, okay, look, it's good. Yeah. And here, not but, but and here's the thing I want you to work on because we need review number two so thank you to other reviewers who looked at our first one said you can fix these things we got some great feedback so i'm going to give credit to those that helped us to develop this we'll continue doing so as we along but let's talk about that so the presentation i'm going to cut it down to a much simpler version because super nerdy can't be too super nerdy we just lose everybody oh come on, <laughs> come on. i give them a lot of credit but this is like academic speak okay. so so you get what i'm talking about but Noise, The Political Economy of Music, is a book that was written by a French author who speaks perfect English, as a side note, by Jacques Attali in the 70s. And he was an economist who sat down and said, hey, there's a history of music that is also tied to power, which is also tied to mass consumption, which is also tied to how sound is essentially killed mm. because it is done in a certain way for a certain power. As I punch this thing with my hand. There we go. So here's, what's, here's what he's talking about specifically, and I'll do a very short version that we can talk about it, right? First and foremost, once upon a time, before there was music, there was sound. And sound was just what you did. The yelling, the screaming, maybe working together in, in orchestra and whatnot, but pre what we know as music was just people would make sounds with their voices. And this is what he called carnival because it's just the open, it's the experience. It's the, it's, and he talks a lot about it in this book. By the way, if you wanna find this book, it is free on, on scholar.google.com. If you wanna buy one, I'm sure I've, I found them for like five bucks. But it talks about different things about how music mirrors are what we are. It also tends to be a prophecy for the future, which is to say, when we say things like when Huey Lewis in the News was doing that particular style in like the 80s, which was after this book, by the way, where it's like, oh, and if you want, <laughs> and in American Psycho, they talk about this specifically, man, oh, yeah. Huey Lewis in the News was just ahead of their time right before there's an axe killing. Anyways, uh, it, but that, but, but it's <laughs> from what I understand at the time, yeah. Huey Lewis was a particular type of pop that was just ahead of his own time. And so that is a the thing they talk about. It's sometimes a prophecy. It's a, it's a looking for, like, here's the thing that's going to come in the future because sound will tell us and guide us this direction. So it's sort of a prophecy. Yeah. So when we say, man, this isn't very good, well, I'm not going to be talking 
too much crap about top 40, although that is a topic we're talking about a little bit later oh, today. top 40. <laughs> we could do an entire show. We could easily do an entire show on the problems with, with the top 40 charts and the structure yeah. of how the music industry is tied into that. And I know, again, in a, our first episode, we talked about the idea of the superstar economy oh, yeah. and how music pays attention to a limited number of artists. I think part of what's important here mm. is that there's so much more music being made, which is one of the issues for our show, yep. is to think about all this music that's out there that's great, that's wonderful across genres, that is just going unexplored. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, connects nicely to your point about time and technology mm -hmm. and how sound evolved from just the sound that people made as they sang in the natural open spaces, the carnival, oh, yeah. um, experience to okay musicians are separated from everyone else mm -hmm. and then how that was captured and recorded and then distributed and became part of a business and that's the thing they talk about so when when i say the word power i'm just referring to those that have means those mm -hmm. have the ability to do things if you want to think of this as a music industry with the industry piece really focused yeah, on yeah, yeah. we're talking your tower records we're talking your atlantic records you know your Capitol records like all those right like the, the ones that you you can think of which exist or may not exist at the point you're listening to this right but when it came to the original times, like it went from music was something people just did to a, a form of sacrifice where, okay, you can't just do sound. We have to organize this sound. Mm -hmm. When you can organize something that has emotional effect, power wants to use it in one way or another. And so that's one of the things that Tally talked about during, was a period of time. We're talking pre-1700s, right before 15 to 1700s, roughly. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, so we want you to perform this way. It might have been a religious affiliation. It may just be a lord of a region, but like, all right, my subjects need to have this. And oh, by the way, I like listening to your music. So here's what I need you to do, perform for me. But after a while, over time, as people know, who've ever worked, who've ever done orchestra, band, chamber music, take your pick. Yeah. As someone who is a, <laughs> as a classically trained musician, I can, I can, tell, you, <laughs> I can tell you that, that learning how to read sheet music is the thing. But that's the later technology when people are like, okay, I created this. I want to be paid for the thing I created. So music, sheet music, becomes the age that comes along there. And then eventually it turns into a place where we could audio record it. So the sheet music isn't nearly as important. So think of your, with all due respect to the Beatles, the Beatles never really learned how to play sheet music necessarily. They didn't care about keys. If you listen to 321 McCartney, he talks very specifically oh, about, yes. about that. Where they, was it was like the Bayard tradition or something like that, which translates to the... the the Irish tradition of just doing music from the heart, essentially. And so they never really learned how to do that. And so all their hits are just things they remembered from basically knowing how to do a few chords and making it work. And that is not to downplay them, to be very clear about that, because I wore a Beatles shirt in the free first episode for those who <laughs> remember that. Um, and I just watched Yellow Submarine. But the point is, like, you don't you can record it, so now it becomes a mass item to be bought, not something to necessarily be enjoyed. And so people, as I said in the book, spent more money on music than cleaning themselves. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, well and, and to comment on the McCartney thing, that, that everyone is so shocked when they find <laughs> out that he doesn't read music yeah. and he doesn't compose in that traditional way that, that we associate with sheet music, that we associate with composition. Mm -hmm. But for the Beatles and for so many musicians mm -hmm. that, that, that moved off 
that that folk tradition or that blues tradition, right? It's muscle memory. Yes. You practice and practice and practice so that not only you're able to work with other people smoothly and almost flawlessly, right? The back and forth and the space mm -hmm. in the sound that is created, their space. Think of just classic rock and roll. There's space for the drums, there's space for the guitar, there's space for the voice, space for keyboards and so on and so forth, right? That that space doesn't just happen. People have to hold back as well as create. But so much of the early music that we associate with popular music, or at least popular music in the modern era, because classical music once was the popular music of its time period, mm -hmm. as was folk before that, as was minstrel music before that, as, right? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like at this point we're back to the carnival. There right? you go. <laughs> but 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 that that whole idea of creation and then what the author's talking about, as I understand it, commodification, mm -hmm. right? The, the 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 music becomes sound becomes music. It becomes enjoyable. People in positions of power notice that and want to capture some of that in a, in a way that they can control how it's shared. It becomes then a commodity, whether it's the kings and lords and vassals controlling how people hear music, mm -hmm. right? You come to our castle and that's when you hear music. Oh, yeah. And then of course the modern equivalent, record labels, as you correctly point out, mm -hmm. who then distribute music in, in the commodified form that we understand today, yeah. Down, down to files on your phone or whatever device you might happen to use. And, so, and something to keep in mind is like all the all the previous forms don't disappear. Like they still right. exist. Like it, you can still find someone who does, uh, scat was a popular music type mm -hmm. for a while, which uh, a jazz, which is mentioned multiple times throughout this particular book as a side note, pops up because jazz doesn't use, depending which version of jazz you're doing, there's the much more um, just off the top of your head type of jazz, right. which is uh, improv improvisation is the whole thing. That's the thing that he, that the author, Atali, was referring to as like, that's the pure form of music. And as I used to say much more arrogantly when I was younger, <laughs> I used to say, local music is the only real music because it's it's the one that's great because <laughs> pretty much everyone that you listen to on, uh, when they come to this show or if they are on Dr. J's uh, arts other show, some of them get paid for it, but the, the vast majority don't because again, it is just that expression. But that is the way of thinking. Like it can be harnessed, however, if music wants to be used for the purpose of, oh, I don't know, maybe in some sort of election situation and you have licensing attached to right. it, that, that goes back through the steps because it turns into, okay, this is licensed to me so I make money off of it. Additionally, you're going to be using this to get yourself to power. Therefore, power is using this song and sometimes there's legal troubles that comes with that. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking back when Dole, during the Dole time and I'm a Dole man as opposed to Soul Man was the thing. Oh, right. uh, by the way, RIP, uh, Senator Dole, he passed away this past year if I remember correctly. So I'm I'm not saying I was a big fan of the guy. I'm just saying, you know, he, that was a particular it's a good example. example. So, but, but that's the sort of thing we think about. And these are the things that get overlooked. Now, to be clear, we are both academics, but we're not musical academics. So I am telling you things from a more common person who's interested, interested in a way. If you want more information, follow, find your local music professor, and they'll probably go a much deeper explanation than we will on this particular piece. But these are the things to think about when you think about how music is used beyond just the enjoyment factor. Well, and, and our perspective, to be quite honest, Andy, is, is social science. Yes. Right? We're both social scientists. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that idea about how people interact and react and respond to sound mm -hmm. and how some forms of sound come to be defined mm -hmm. 
as music and then how that music over time comes to be defined as a commodity mm -hmm. that is then traded and exchanged in a marketplace that has certain rules that, that whether those rules are fair, <laughs> but, and I, I hate using the word fair. Fair is a place where, where you go and ride rides and eat bad food. Huzzah. But <laughs> the, the idea that it, whether or not that's equitable, yes. right? <laughs> that, that is a whole separate conversation, something that we'll address later. And then the labels that get put on the music, yes. right? Yeah. Certain sounds are defined in certain ways. The argument that all music is local under well it underscores yes. the idea that any musician came from somewhere yes and maybe multiple somewhere is brought together but it, but it, it's the argument i make and this is the one i've been making for way too long if i'm making an ar argument for my own <laughs> argument right <laughs> which which is I, I have nothing against big musicians but it, uh, we have that phrase you sold out right yeah so like the whole show is based after is the idea that once you get to a point where you're just doing it for the money, you're not having a cool, you're having a cool conversation as opposed to the uncool conversation that we have for the purpose of doing it for the love of it, not for the money of it. And I'm not saying so that musicians that get paid aren't doing it because they love it. I'm saying that it turns into a different animal. As a side note, one of our viewer number twos hate my conversation on that, but which I respect, but my particular perspective is... I don't know. I, I, if I become become a professional musician, great. But at the same time, I would probably have to take a distance from it yeah. because that's a whole thing for me. So there we go. Well, and, and I think when certain genres or certain labels become defined as the only way to make music or the only music that is worthy of consumption, right, that's worthy of being heard, mm -hmm. being experienced. Yes. I think that's the problem, right? Or at least for me, it's one of the problems with how the music industry as a business, and it is a massive billion dollar business, how it works, how it operates. Mm. So one of the reasons I spend so much time in, in the other hats I wear, <laughs> whether it's the radio show or college professor or just music fan going out to shows and, and or, or buying music is that I, I understand that certain artists or certain musicians are incredibly popular. And that is not what I'm bothered by or offended by or concerned about. Mm -hmm. But the fact that so much music is ignored yes. is not given enough space, right? You think of the top 40 chart, mm -hmm. right? So so the idea that, that, that is tied as a number of writers and scholars and just people who love music have noted, right? The idea of why songs are a certain length, mm -hmm. the idea why so many charts in terms of measuring success in music have certain limitations, the top 200 albums, the, the top 40 most popular songs as determined by mm -hmm. radio airplay, sales, downloads, right? And all of that's changed over time. Oh, yes. So, so it's, it's really important to recognize that this idea of a top 40 was tied to an old format of how DJs used to program a certain number of songs over the course of a, of a two to three hour program. And there'd be space for ads, space for voiceovers and show promos and things like that. So we're, we're still using charts that are tied to how music was distributed in the 1950s. 
And if we're talking about it in a different way, it, it was kind of shady is the best way I can express Ooh. it, how that went. Payola so, was a problem. I mean, I mean, there's lots of things. For, for example, who wrote the song? Well, someone who's uh. not in a particular power group. And now they lost all their music because someone said, hey, uh, Barry Gordy was kind of known for this apparently, just like, hey, I'm buying your records. Uh, I'm going to pay you whatever amount of money, which which is a complete ripoff, but I own your music now. But this is the way the wor way works. Or an Elvis Duran, um, who some people may recognize because he's a top 40 DJ. He talks about just before his time, there were individuals that were paid money to play the song, which right, automatically right. made it so they would be, be pushed up. But it was, it was all, and so it, it you know, pay, I mean, money, uh, money is, I, I, this is a weird thing I thought about recently. Money is basically a pile of promises that have no backing when you think about it. Because it used to have a money, uh, a material backing. Now it's literally just promises that have nothing back backing them up. But it does make things move. And so if you want a top 40, you have to have a money unit or something of interest to make it so it becomes more popular. So I'm not going to say the name because everybody knows the name of the family. This particular family who's uh, start with a K and some of them starts with J's <laughs> that, are, that, are, that are famous for being famous. Uh-huh. Why? Well, because apparently someone somewhere said, hey, why don't we just focus attention on these individuals and we'll just make their lives of interest to the masses and we'll make a lot of money off of this. And of course, one of the particular family members is, uh, I believe, a publicist of some sort, so she knew what she was doing. And it's, it's interesting and kind of messed up at the same time to think about it because Top 40 is nothing more than that family's rules applied to, man, I really want to know what this, this person's doing. Well, okay, but they're like, you know, they're, they're barely an adult, and why do we pay so much attention to this person's life? Well, because they're in of interest. Why are they of interest? Well, because you pushed it. That's why they're of interest. So we're not going to say names specifically unless it becomes important. It's just something to think about. So, yeah. Well, and, and when you apply that logic <laughs> or that understanding to music, when you think about that in terms of music, mm -hmm. right, you're looking at American Idol. Mm -hmm. You're looking at Pop Idol. You're, you're looking at The Voice. You're looking at, right, on and on and on, right, a country star. Uh, you're looking at all these shows that take that reality TV format, right? Mm -hmm. That the K's and J's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and among a handful of others, let's be honest yeah, here, yeah. popularized. And you're applying that now to music, mm -hmm. but then you're still applying that in the context of an industry where you sign a contract, mm -hmm. right? I, I can't reveal how I know some, <laughs> some of this, but let's say you were on a very popular TV show mm -hmm. where... People come on and sing, and judges evaluate their performance, and it's a competition till eventually there's a single winner. Mm -hmm. And people who get on that show are cast, and I want to use that word very specifically, mm -hmm. they're cast for type, yep. right? We need someone who fills this kind of category. This checks this box, mm -hmm. right? We we need someone with a difficult backstory and they've yep. overcome adversity, <laughs> right? And you're asking yourself, huh, self, what does this have to do with music and making music? Well, it's more about the story of the artist, which is still important. Always is. But in the context of this television program that's supposedly reality television, and of course, I would always ask my students to consider, how many producers does a TV show that's a reality TV show need? Watch the end credits for a show like this and count how many producers mm -hmm. there are. Well, they're probably doing some production, but they're also probably doing something we call writing. Yes, 
what's what's interesting to me is uh and this is something you can look up if y'all feel like it I'm, this isn't conspiracy theory let's be very clear on that but if you the, the i forget the person's name but they're the person who actually came up with survivor among others of the really popular late 90s early 2000s and they've been asked about this because they essentially started the genre like they didn't start it start it. you can think candid camera from the 60s for that and various others before that probably but they're the ones that really set the, the modern tone for it for the bachelor bachelorette pick your shit the thing that they say specifically when they're asked about it is, oh yeah, I'll tell you right now, the lot of shows that are fictional on purpose have less writing than we did on these shows. Because let's talk about Jerry Springer, a native Cincinnatian, as a side note. Uh, for example, they fully admit, and they had a whole TV show about this, that people did have those real backstories, but they would purposely mess with them to get to the point where they could do that particular thing where, you know, well, the, the reason why you see the chairs thrown is because they were amped up before they got yeah, on stage. Yeah. And then we talk about manipulation and it goes back to social science and let's not do that because this is, that's not the format for this. But when we think about music and how it's put together, the reason why we enjoy these is because they are essentially handpicked, which is part of the frustration for a local scene for a good local music and how that, that comes about. So, I mean, let's, let's, let's kind of switch it up a little bit. How do you find a good local artist, I guess, is the question. Oh, oh, that's that's a great question, because I spend a lot of time, a lot of time doing that. I, I, I am constantly going out to shows, mm -hmm. right, physically going to shows. And I know, you know Andy, you, you, you've done that before when, when you lived in town here. Um, but so you go to shows, you see, you, and you go see the openers. Oh, yes. You see everybody that you can. You, you read the blogs, you spend a lot of time listening to music journalists uh, um, in terms of what they write about and, you know, using that as a jumping off point. I think it's classic music discovery, right? Mm -hmm. You listen to something, I really like this. Okay, who made this? What producers made this, right? What guest musicians are on here? Oh, they're on by courtesy of such and such, or they're on here, right? Courtesy of such and such is just the old idea that when guest musicians would appear on someone else's record, you'd have to get their record label or whoever their management company is, you'd have to get their permission to appear on that record, right? It's a common industry practice that goes back to the early days of rock and roll when there were lots of guest musicians who didn't get credit they should have gotten. Oh, yes. <laughs> and something to think about, and I have it on my, my thing from their super nerdy reference, uh, 18, I think it's 1889, if I have it on here correctly, which may... There may be other versions when gramophones were created. If you don't know what a, yes. gra you know what a gramophone is, kids, let me tell you what a gramophone <laughs> is. Es essentially a cylindrical item, um, a particular material, a vinyl eventually, which is where we get vinyl. Right. But it was different material before that where physically the sound waves are put into the material, yeah. which is why if you listen to someone who, and no disrespect to hipsters, uh, to someone who's really into vinyl, they're like, oh, this is the purest form of music. Well, they're not wrong because the sound was going physically into the record material versus your CDs, your MP3 whatever comes up after this show is put out there it is a form that is broken down put back together in pieces when you're doing it in a physical form it's a little bit difficult to adjust things too much unless you're mike sorry brian wilson from, from the beach boys and then he literally went insane because of the work that he's putting into his work so that's a difference right but yes, I agree. I used to when I was the, when I was the taste maker for the area. I used, uh, I, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I chose what was good. Uh, personally, I went to lots of local shows. By the way, for those who don't know, Art is that's 
I, I think every other week or so, uh, but except for when things are too bad with COVID, Art is usually sending a picture of himself somewhere at some <laughs> show, which I respect because I used to do that. And I used to love to feel like a record executive in the back of a room going, hmm, I wonder if this is a radio editable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just my particular perspective. So along with the, you know, being the creep in the back of the room, <laughs> what else do you do there, there Art? <laughs> well, uh, no, no, I, I spend a lot of time reading reviews. Mm -hmm. I... I well, as as you know, Andy, when you're a radio DJ, people will send you things. Oh, all the time. And that's really helpful because my poor college professor salary <laughs> cannot support my musical taste. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, it's it, think think about it. In the past, our theme today is time. In the past, how did you hear music? You heard it on the radio. Right now, now people are like, oh, I don't listen to radio. Well, think of it as the Spotify of the past. Think of it as like the Pandora, which is closer to radio, mm -hmm. right, of the past. So whether you use Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, Apple Music, or whatever the particular service is, in a way, those services replaced what radio used to do. And so you would listen to certain DJs or shows or radio stations to Find things that you were interested in. Find things that, that, that spoke to you. But there's also a lot of writers, right? Uh, of course, Dayton is, is really gifted not only with music, but with great writers of music, whether we talk about Don Thrasher at the mm. Dayton Daily News, and he writes for other sources as well, or just the people who are putting out zines, right? Short for magazine, a zine, it was the idea of someone who just felt passionate mm. about a band or about songs of a certain style or songs tied to a certain record label would just produce a kind of self-homemade, put-together magazine, a zine. Uh, now, of course, that moved online, right? Those are blogs now, mm -hmm. or those are podcasts, looking at you and me right now, uh, or, or a video cast, or th th there are all kinds of different formats that the internet made possible where you can find information. Now, what's interesting is if we go to the super nerdy end for a second, because apparently that's my shtick for today. Uh, <laughs> so if we talk about uses and gratifications, which is a particular, it's, it's kind of an umbrella for a bunch of, of different uh, calm theories, but it really is just, it's a term for just because the old technology quote unquote went away doesn't mean people don't use it. I mean, do you, sure. have you ever been behind someone who uses a check? In, in line at a grocery store before. I, I I know they tend to have quite gray hair. I understand that. But I can tell you right now, literally about three days ago, I'm, I, the guy's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a check. It's going to take me a minute. I'm like, well, not really because this has been modified, but it doesn't go away. Just because just because people have gone online doesn't mean they don't also go to shows. Doesn't mean that the carnival doesn't still exist. It just means there's been an adjustment. Ooh, that sounds so much better when you interest it. But there's been an adjustment for different new technologies to make themselves more out there. And that's why, and this is something I ran to probably over a decade ago now, putting flyers around for a local show is actually significantly better than just trying to do an online thing. Because if nothing else, online is largely white noise. And so if you have just those posters everywhere, people are like, oh, hey, especially if there's a bunch of them in one spot so you can take one for yourself or a little tab, those old fashioned, you know, contact for guitar lessons tabs, for example, people are more likely to go. And so uses and gratifications suggest as a business model and also just a way to show music, you have to use the old technologies and the old ways of doing things to get people in there because they were very much thought up beforehand. Your, your point is incredibly well taken, Andy. When, when, when you think about this, 
just because there's a new technology does not make it the only technology, right? I mean, so so it, it's important to acknowledge that fact that that these new and old things exist side by side. I, I giggled there a moment ago because just yesterday I wrote a check. Uh, <laughs> and Andy's being so kind. He's laughing quietly over there in the corner. Don't don't you worry about him. I did nothing bad to Andy. But 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 no. In in, in all seriousness, the the old and new technologies in a healthy music environment, in a healthy community, they coexist, mm -hmm. right? You you do what works, and, and that, that's going to vary depending on what your goals are, right? If you just want to get the word out about a show, so yeah, you can send an email blast, but you can also put posters up around town. That's another great way of finding music that, that's been helpful, not only for me, I think, but, but for many other people as well. One of the things I like to point out on top of that is, I mean, I really love that we're in a modern era where <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going to turn your mic a little bit. Anyways, uh, a modern era. Don't you touch my mic. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it makes for better sound quality. Anyways, but I really enjoy that we're in a modern era where what we're doing right now, literally we're doing greases and gratifications because as I'm pointing to the camera that's in the corner, we're recording this for video people. We're doing this in auditory. You have a radio station, but podcasts... I find are one of the most interesting anomalies of modern technology, which is people want to go from TV and visual back to just listening to things again. And I will tell you, huh. for, I, it, it's, it's, it's a legit thing I thought about because I wasn't a huge podcast guy because I'm like, oh, do I? Because I knew as soon as I went down the rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland is going to take me forever, right? But I do listen to a few in particular because I'm like, okay, so this is something I'm interested in. I want to learn more about it. Let's do the podcast, which is what people come to hear to our podcast for, right? But it's super interesting to me because it is just you put it on and I'm like, wow, this is like listening to 1940s style radio and before where it would literally be a dramatization of a book a movie and it was essentially soap operas or whatever done in audio form with big descriptive words podcasts are just 100 years ago technology brought back to the present because people kind of circle back to this one so it's this interesting concept of how time is more circular especially in music genres and in sound genres than they than we like to think they are so it's kind of an interesting way to look at it oh no no i I, I totally understand that when when you think about it that that the actual result mm -hmm. is something you know a podcast it's something like 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 out of the 1940s or 1950s but the technology has improved so the quality of the sound that's being captured is better but what you're actually doing is telling a story right? You're, it's a narrative. It's a theme. You know, today we're talking about time and music here on this podcast, this program that has both a video and an audio component, right? Uh -huh. So obviously in the past, you couldn't necessarily have the video and the audio the way you can today. So time has actually... I don't know if the word to say is improved, yes. but it certainly provide other opportunities for you to experience music. It's and, and for me. So for for those who don't listen, I'm not trying to get too big for my britches because gosh knows what's going to happen. But after we did our first podcast, <laughs> after we did the first one, we literally walk out of the DTA DATV. Art and I are both hanging out in the lobby, and, and then the, the program director from or program manager, whatever his title is, comes up and says, "Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, we're doing local music. Hey." 
we need someone who needs to do the TV version of that. I was like, oh, okay. So to be more technical, uh, it's uses and gratifications version of this, where it's like, okay, so not a whole lot of people currently do what we do. Uh, there's, there are a few. I don't want to discount them. They're they're good. We're better. They're good. Um, so so I, I'm only saying that because subtle that's, man, really subtle. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that we're un, more uncool than they are. Anyways, uh, but. Uh, but it, it, apparently there is a need, and so we're going to gratify that need by bringing in musicians. And by the way, you'll see, you'll hear at the end because we've finally put up a format for this. We want you to talk to us about what you want in the podcast because we really want to know, you know, what musicians. For example, uh, Art slash Doctor J. I like you as a person. I like you a lot. But I said this before we got on air. My show back in the day, the local show, and I'll yell it if I have to. The, the local show because that was our thing. There we go. 56, there we go. He's giving me a time limit. Anyways, I was very big on hitting every genre possible. That was my thing. I have friends that are, that are, I am, okay. They're death metal people or hard, just hard metal. Great for them. I enjoy it for what it is. It's not necessarily the thing I'm into, but it's the thing, the thing I listen to. I was listening to um, Gothic Country at one point. I'm like, I've listened to all these genres that exist. We do have a techno scene in the Dayton area for those who don't know. And if you didn't know, now you do. We have all the scenes here in the area and in no disrespect to, to art, art really only plays one particular type of genre or some variants of one type of genre because that's the format that the school allows them to do. <laughs> so I'm saying we could use this as a way to bring on the other people like I did ba back in my day that <laughs> when we used to have people from different backgrounds. And so there's that. Well, no, no, it's, it's a fair... It's a fair, constructive comment. Mm -hmm. My show is about indie music. Yes. Right? So I'm I'm looking at bands primarily that fall within so-called indie circles, right? Whether it's local, regional, or national, right? Whatever, uh, uh, whatever level that is. I'm looking for things that are not necessarily tied to a major label. I'm not looking for big names. I'm looking for songs that move me personally as, as the programmer of that show. And I'm also looking for things that people may not have heard of that I think would be wonderful, would be awesome if they did hear them. And, and I'm especially excited about local music. So I play country, alt country, indie rock. I play certain forms of rap music. I I play a lot of singer-songwriter. I play some funk. You're in Dayton. You kind of have to. Mm -hmm. I play some electronic music. I play um, some what might be called college or avant-garde, or I prefer the term alternative. Ooh. But, you know, what, what some of these terms mean has changed so much. I remember when I was in college in the 80s, and everyone's going about this weird band REM, and, you know, now it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, that that's a standard now. That, that There's nothing weird there, but it's a fair criticism that, that the local show when you did it was really broad. Right. You did. You didn't have a single genre or label nope. with your Tuesday afternoon alternative. I've I, I've really focused on this kind of broad definition of what we call indie. 
So uh, first, I'd like to mention that he went to college in the '80s. He said it out loud, everybody. I, I went to college. <laughs> I, went to college. <laughs> I did. I did. I went to college as an undergraduate in the 2000s. So if you want to know, hey, is there an age difference? Are they both older guys? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Um, just just poking fun at my co-host, of course. But but here's the thing. The thing about I when I was doing it was very much focused on how many people of how many backgrounds can I get. That is why I became. I, I would argue that's why I and my cohort, by the way, cohorts became so popular is because first off we had a lot of fun doing it number two we had a lot of like personalities and nicknames everybody had a nickname no one had a real name on that whole show unless you're a musician and so it turned into this thing where we were using it for fun and i think the fun is what grabbed people and so at one point we were we were brought up in different papers and new magazines saying hey these guys are awesome and then we lost our show so that's a thing that happened but you know what what's that old phrase either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain and so we died in hero and that's that's that uh, uh, <laughs> you didn't even have a chance you would have been such a good super villain uh, I know, you know what I, I have the voice for it so there's <laughs> well uh, you know Art I, I think you're kind of pointing at me for those who can't visibly see this uh, we have hit the 40 minute mark and we want to respect our viewers slash listeners because when you go to 53 minutes like we did the first time people lose interest <laughs> we, we had a lot to talk about <laughs> we're just gonna end the show thinking about how great a year 2021 was for music mm -hmm. locally uh you had tons of great albums you had great music from the boxcar suite o condor page beller um uh, the new old-fashioned age nowhere uh, New American Pioneers, I consider Nicholas Johnson's record a local record, even okay. though technically he's from Cincinnati. Almost everybody who played on it was local, and a good friend, Rich Reuter, who had a great single this past year, mm -hmm. produced and mixed it. Uh, Sidekick Complex, this was the year for Tino and Kay Carter. There's a lot of great rap that came out of Dayton. You had Sidekick Complex, you know, Tino's work. You had Safe Money. Of course, for me, 2021 was the year that the Connells returned. After 20 years, it had been 20 years since they released Old School Dropouts and just released a phenomenal collection, three songs that they took from um, a past record kind of collection called Old School Dropouts. And so they returned. I mean, there's so much great music that, that came out. Um, Laura Stevenson's Continental a divide was just heartbreak on record. There, there was tons of great stuff across different genres. And we'll talk about a lot of that over the course of this whole year, how much great music was in 2021. But there's a lot of great music that came out in 2022. Or is going to come out in 2022. That's right. I was, I was curious to see if you'd catch the way I said that, Andy, right? Because I'd like to believe that that music is already in the can, right? It's already coming out. You got new music from the typical Johnsons, Dustin Smith and the Daydreamers, Novena, the 84 Draft. Amber Hargett has a cool project that she calls Coal Mine Canary. I'm hoping for new music from Achilles Tenderloin. Um, Elephants and Stars, maybe Brandon Berry, Big Thief, Spoon, Craftwork, Craftwork, Andy, mm. have a record coming out in June. Franz Ferdinand, Block Party, Pine Grove, The Districts, The Heather Redman Band, Samantha King, Lavender Honey. They have a video that, that releases this Friday. Uh, I'm hoping that Chuck Cleaver um, 
and the gang over there at Wussy that Chuck and Lisa put out some some new music. We've got tons of great things that are happening in town. The Beatles rooftop show mm-hmm. that, that that's done at the Yellow Cab Tavern. High school college talent show that's going to happen at Yellow Cab. We've got a country music shows. We've got winter folk. We've got live band karaoke. We've got Tears for Fears are going to tour. Waxahachie, Pine Grove. M. Ross Perkins is getting ready to put out a record. Um, I could go on and on, Andy. I feel like I've really, really gone on a little too long. <laughs> you remind me of High Fidelity where the guy just keeps saying the top five <laughs> over and over. I, and I mean that most really because, by the way, for those who've never seen art before, art, art will just rattle them off, which is great. Um, <laughs> mostly, and, and which is great because I'm uh, currently working on some stuff, so he, he gets to be the fill-in for that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but here's the thing. I do want to mention this very briefly before we end this. So the Oregon District in Dayton is especially where a lot of this happens. Not all of it, yes. but a lot of this happens. I will say that the Yellow Cab is an exception because if we're making an argument, it's like two blocks from the Oregon District. <laughs> so it's, but it's Fifth Street, If for those that are ever interested, like if you happen to watch this, say, wow, this is some interesting stuff. Maybe I want to check this out. Literally, unless things shut down, almost every day somewhere on uh, in the Oregon district there is a local band playing and I do mean literally every day I've gone to Tuesday shows weird shows to go to by the way just because you can tell them have much of a following which makes it better because it's just hey here's some people who are doing the thing and I do mean people because it's not just a boys club it's not just a girls club it's also a binary non-binary and people in, in lots of different lives from lots of different backgrounds so as someone who likes to to push this to some degree, local music isn't the only music. I'm less arrogant now than I was in my 20s, but I will say that if you want to see something that is more carnival than cathedral, look at your local scene, and it works so much better. So there we go. Oh, absolutely <laughs> true, Andy, that wherever you call home, there's great music. Mm-hmm. You may have to dig a little bit to find it. You may have to listen to that obscure small watt radio station. Okay, that's just me feeling a little close to home there. Oh, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but I, I think that wherever you live, there's great music. Well, look, look at the time, Andy. We got to end this. <laughs> so, so, so just want to say to everybody, thank you for joining us. If you want to reach out to us, we have a link tree, uh, linktr.ee forward slash uncool music conversations. With an S. That's right. <laughs> it's plural. It's plural. But of course, if you want to reach out to us through email, it's uncoolmusicconvo38 at gmail. We have an Instagram account, uncoolmusicconvo. We're on Twitter, un cool music con one there is a website that's about to launch uncoolmusicconversations.com we really do (laughs) want you to be a part of this this is meant to be a community piece more carnival than we said before because (laughs) without a local scene without local people to do it the local scene dies and so that's the thing we aim for so we want to hear what you want to hear if you have a band that we would not even think of and they only play as i used to be a manager for a band they literally were only in their house for the most part Great. Tell us about them. We'll gladly listen to it, and we'll try to make it work. So there we go. Well, thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you all next time. (laughs) 